0: Sound once lost, but now found. Heaven came down, and grace rescued me. and pain
1: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, it's good to see you. Good to see you. If you can um, find your way to your seats, come on in. If you're out there getting your last cup of coffee, that's great. Grab your coffee and come on in. Um, we're going to uh, begin our time together. We gather here on the, the morning, um, the first morning, on the first day of the week to celebrate Jesus Christ together. We are here to worship him because that is why we have been created. And uh, we have come to remember Christ and to celebrate the new life that we have in him. And so our prayer is that all that we do this morning would be worshipful uh, and would be glorifying to our God. And so we are going to worship God through music in just a moment. going to worship God by opening his very word to us together and digging deep into it and uh, allowing God to transform and change us. We're going to worship God through fellowship and uh, through giving of ourselves and helping one another and, and uh, in so many other ways. And that's a good reminder that scripture says that we are, to, um, we are to seek to honor God in all that we do, not just for an hour or so on a Sunday morning, but in all that we do, in all that we are. Uh, And so I'm glad that you chose to join us. We say welcome to all of our friends who are streaming online, and it's a great reminder that what a good tool it is and a blessing that if you have to miss a Sunday, if you're traveling or you're sick or can't make it out, that you can uh, go online to TrinityAllenwood.com and you can um, live stream our service. And so Uh, It's a good opportunity to do that as well. So let your friends and family know that that is also an opportunity in a way that you can partake in what we are doing here on a Sunday morning. So what I'd like to do now is read from the word of the Lord and then pray us into a time of worship. And after I read and pray, I'll ask you to stand and we will sing songs together. Songs that remind us in the lyrics that we sing together remind us of the goodness of God, of his holiness and why he is worthy to be praised. Amen? Amen. And so uh, I trust that you um, uh, will begin to allow the Lord to prepare your heart as uh, oftentimes we kind of rush and get ourselves ready here for a Sunday morning. Now is that time where we can close our eyes, we can listen, we can sing and ask God to um, prepare our hearts to be able to offer ourselves in worship to him. This is from the beginning of Psalm 145. This is the word of the Lord. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. For one generation shall commend your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. We say amen to that. Amen. Let's stand and I'll pray us into worship. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. What a privilege it is to meet together in this place, to worship you corporately as the body of Christ. And so now, Lord, we offer ourselves up to you. Jesus, have your way with us. We know you will bless us even in the midst of of us wanting to bless you. So, Father, this is time for you. So, Lord, we pray that our worship would be truly a sweet sound to your ear, for you alone are worthy. And so we pray in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Church, let's lift our voices and sing together to our Lord.
2: Yeah.
3: And drenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb, the ancient sea by heavy stone, Messiah still, and all of Gaze transfers on Jesus' face.
0: of God. of God.
1: Take a moment to say good morning to somebody around you. Amen. and find our way back to our seats, take another uh, few seconds, say good morning to somebody as you're walking back to your seat. It's always good to get some more fellowship in and uh, remember afterwards there's more time to fellowship and um, and, uh, you know it's also a reminder too that before service we have a coffee fellowship so you're always welcome to come a few minutes early and grab a cup of coffee and a, and a snack, a breakfast snack, and uh, you can have some more time in fellowship. You get to see some people maybe you haven't seen all week or in a while. So that's good. And of course, this is our time. I think most of them have left, but our children make their way down the hall. And so uh, we're grateful for all the, the teachers that dedicate their time, energy, and, and put their heart into blessing our children. As the Psalm 145 said that I read, that we are to commend his works, one generation commends his works and his mighty acts to the next generation. So that should continue to be a big part of who we are, right? That we are passing our faith on to the next generation. And so we want to um, uh, continue to remember that and bless them. And so before we open up God's Word together, I just want to get caught up on a few things of church life to make sure we're all on the same page. Remember today... After service is our prayer march because it uh, it still is the month of March and and so um, there'll be many people gathering in uh, in Lakewood from here from Trinity right after service uh, to pray to gather uh, as a group and then to, to to separate out into smaller groups to walk around uh, from the center city there into uh, Lakewood and to be praying praying for the city and praying for those that you might come in contact with. And it's, it's an opportunity as you go out and, and pray that, um, that you would pray that God would create those divine appointments, we like to say, to, uh, to pray for people specifically. And it might sound awkward and strange, but, but you see how the, the Lord may lead. And that as you're passing somebody or you see somebody, you can let them know, hey, we're from a local church and we're praying for your city today. Is there, would you like to be prayed for? Is there anything we can pray for you? And you never know how that might go. And um, so it can be really simple, but profound opportunity. So if you're planning to go, you can just meet for uh, after service. There'll be a little bit of time of fellowship. And then all of those who plan to go can just meet there in the back and uh, make a plan. And um, Andrew and Elizabeth will let you know where they're meeting uh, and, uh, you know, where to drive to and meet and where to park and all that. Okay. So if you're going, make sure you meet uh, for a few minutes after service before you head over there. Um, also remember, so I believe that's this Thursday, coming up on the 31st, 7 p.m., this is a women's only event, but it is um, uh, an opportunity to get together and fellowship through yoga. And um, if you have any questions, of course, you can see Cheryl, but you want to register for this lady, so you want to register before Thursday. And, and so uh, the link is up on our website, so you can go to our events page, our calendar, Because all of our um, church life uh, events and updates are on our website, but you can go and you can sign up for that. And um, all the donations for that event are going to help uh, people in Ukraine, going through our missionaries, Jim and Liz Baker. Okay, so ladies, please make sure you make a note of that. Continue to sign up for that. Um, This coming Saturday, yes, it's already going to be April this Saturday. April 2nd is our egg hunt, and um, you also need to register for this, and so if you have children or grandchildren that would like to participate, something just flew off here, um, you can sign up for that, because we just want to know how many people are going to be coming out, Uh, and uh, so go on to our website, trinityallenwood.com, and you can register for that. Uh, It's a free event, but we just want you to, to sign up, and so you can register online. That is this Saturday at 11 and of course, it's a wonderful opportunity to, um, uh, to share with all the children that are there uh, the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ, as that will be an important part of that time. They'll be having a lot of fun, but they will hear the gospel and why we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how important it is. So if you are volunteering for that event, some of you already signed up and talked to Alyssa. Um, to, um, to volunteer. But we do need more volunteers. And so if you would like to attend that event, even if you don't have kids coming, but if you would like to volunteer to help out, we need lots of hands, lots of, of help for that. Just meet for a few minutes afterwards after service um, with uh, Alyssa just to get an idea of, of uh, some of the logistics for next Saturday. So again, we need volunteers for that event. And so if you'd like to volunteer, you can just meet for a few minutes afterwards. And we'll still have, we'll have the group of people going to pray in Lakewood on one side and the the volunteers for the Easter egg hunt on the other side. So if you go into the wrong group, you might wind up either in Lakewood or helping to stuff Easter eggs. And so make sure you meet with the right group afterwards. Okay. Um, And then uh, one other announcement, just want to make sure that um, you're reminded of this. This is also an event that we'd like you to register for. Uh, Again, it is free. Uh, but uh, we want to know how many people are coming. And so we did this a a few years ago, if you remember, with David Brewer, uh, who David and Beth used to be here, missionaries that we would support. Uh, But this year it'll be led by one of our missionary teams, Scott and Corey Schwartz. They are with Life and Messiah, and they are uh, one of our missionary partners. And so that's Wednesday, April 13th. It's a Wednesday evening. Starting at 6.30, we will have a Christ in the Passover Seder meal and presentation. So there will be a full dinner meal provided by the church. So, again, there's no cost, but we need you to sign up so we know how many people are coming, how much food to have. But uh, it's a wonderful opportunity, especially if you've never um, experienced that, to learn all about Jesus Christ and the Messiah in the Passover that all of our Jewish friends celebrate this time of year. And so, Scott will be going through that so there'll be a full meal together and then a presentation as well with all of the traditional elements and, and their meaning and the background of that holiday and what it means to us as Christians. It's so insightful and really will be enriching for you to remember the Jewishness of, of our Jesus, the Messiah. And uh, and how we can see Christ in all those elements of the Passover. Okay, so go to our website and uh, register for that. That's a Wednesday evening member dinner is included, so you don't have to rush home and eat before you come. Just be there by six thirty, and we'll eat together and have the presentation. All right. Um, and of course, we are in um, uh, our series on First and Second Peter, and this is, I believe, uh, a very timely series, of course, the Word of God is always relevant, right? I don't have to make it relevant, but I want to show you how it is and always is relevant, amen? And so and that means uh, all of Scripture. But First and Second Peter were letters that were written by the Apostle Peter to Christians who were being persecuted, who were suffering trials because of their faith. And so it's a very... Um, It's a very sobering but empowering reminder of how we are called to live and follow Jesus in a hostile world. Hostile meaning that our world has always been and is increasingly hostile to our faith and to Jesus Christ. And we might not experience that or even realize the reality of that in our daily lives, But of course, the perspective is that there have been Christians for the past 2,000 years who have lived this out every moment of every day. We don't know what the future will hold for us as believers in Christ in this country or even in this part of our country. But regardless, we need to be prepared because we always have an enemy, a spiritual enemy, don't we, who is uh, always looking to trip us up and to rob God of glory, and so we are to be preparing to continue to follow Jesus in a world that becomes more and more hostile to our faith and, of course, us as believers. Because the stark reminder is that Jesus said to all of his followers that day and to us today that since the world hated him, the world will hate us. We don't like to think of that, And again, we might not experience that or know truly what that looks like, but regardless, the Word of God says it's true, and I think we all have lived long enough to have a basic understanding of what persecution for our faith looks like and what it could look like in our daily lives. And so we are to be prepared for that. And so much of the Christian life is about preparation. You know, um, being prepared is a big part of life. You know, we are entering into the the spring season and, uh, you know, the weather's getting a little warmer. Now I know tomorrow is supposed to only be in the 30s, so forget about tomorrow, okay? But we know that we are entering into the spring season and a big part of spring, right, is what we might call spring cleaning. Have any of you started your spring cleaning, right, and you look around your house, your garage, your shed, and you're just like, man, where did all these things come from? Somehow during the winter, things pile up, don't they? And they get dirty, whether it's in our house, in our garage, our attic, whatever it might look like. There is a reason that we have this term, the spring cleaning, because after a long, dark, and cold winter of kind of being shut in and being at home, We look forward to the warmth of the air and the sun and the breeze and the birds singing and being outside more. But it means a time of preparation as we move outside and prepare for the warmer weather that we all enjoy. And part of that too is if you garden or you like to have landscaping around your house, you need to prepare for growth, don't you? You need to prepare the ground, prepare the outside, just like you would spring cleaning the inside, preparing for a new season, preparing and getting ready. So this weekend, I did something that I love to do, and I had my son come from New York, and he spent a couple of days at home, and we cleaned up the outside. We cleaned up our attic, and we cleaned out our garage and we made three trips to the local dump. Do you love doing that? Is that not fun or what? When you get to load your car with all of your junk, the things that somehow last year you absolutely needed, but this year somehow you're like, this is garbage. I don't need this any longer. And those things that pile up, and so we, will, we were able to take three loads of stuff over to the local dump. And how cathartic that is when you get to move it out of your house in your garage and off of, uh, of, um, of your yard, and put it in your car, and then when you get there, right, you get to go and back up to the huge dumpster, and what do you do? You take it out of your car, and you chuck it, and you throw it, and you just love to hear the sound, and we actually brought some concrete, some old concrete we got to bust up, so we got the sledgehammer, and we were busting it up, and we brought it there, and when we got to that dumpster, that was designated for the concrete we looked down and we saw it was a brand new clean dumpster why was that exciting for us because we knew all of the concrete we would throw would make a huge loud noise and that was a lot of fun so my son and i enjoyed that time but it felt good because we were getting rid of junk as we prepared we are preparing for growth. We, uh, the weekend before, Claudia and I were preparing our gardens and get ridding, getting rid of some of the leaves that we had missed and accumulated over the winter and, and pruning and getting stuff ready. Why? You get the idea, but it's all about preparing for new growth. We want to get rid of the old and welcome in the new. Now, church, this is such a spiritual principle Because over and over again in the scriptures, we are told to prepare for the new, to prepare for growth because it is an ongoing, lifelong process on our journey with Jesus. It is preparing for growth, especially as we learn to follow Jesus in a hostile world, we need to be prepared. Are you with me? We need to be prepared, and whatever that might look like, So just like if you're getting your garden ready for the spring growth, you need to turn up the soil, maybe get some mulch, get things ready so that it can grow healthy and strong. But one of the things I loved about taking all that stuff to the local dump was it felt so good to get rid of it. Because then going back home, the attic looks clean, the garage looks clean, the yard looks clean, and it's ready. But see, in our lives as Christians, we need to get rid of that junk, that garbage, that stuff that weighs us down, that, that, mud, that muddies the waters, that, um, you know, that, that can pile up, and we need to let go of it and get rid of it. And you know, it's, it's been said that we might spend too much time managing our idols and our sins rather than destroying our idols and our sins. You see that? It would have been one thing if I would have taken that old concrete and piled it up neatly in the corner of my garden. Now that would have been a step, but it would still be there, taking up space, looking ugly even though it's neat. Do we do that sometimes with our idols and our sins? don't want to get rid of them and throw them into the dumpster to make a loud crashing noise, we'd rather just say, you know what, I recognize it. I'm just going to put it over here neatly in case maybe I need it again. Because I like to look at it and it's here, but I don't want to actually get rid of it. It's more about like sometimes we manage those idols and sins instead of actually destroying them. So in our passage this morning, Peter continues to encourage Christians who he wrote these letters to originally who were being persecuted, encouraging them to be holy. Two words to focus on this morning, be holy. Two really big words, right? How are we as Christians to pursue living holy lives? What does it even mean to be holy, especially in a world that is hostile towards us. So that's what we're gonna look at this morning. And so consider that as sort of a context. What are you doing in your life, in your spiritual life, in your walk with Jesus? What are you doing to prepare for growth? Church, think about this morning as I read our text and just highlight a few things from it. What are you holding on to? What are those sins and those idols that you are preferring to manage rather than destroy? What does it look like for you in your spiritual life, in your heart of hearts, to throw things finally away into the dumpster? And to then have a clean heart, a clean space, ready for God to fill with all that goodness that we were just singing about. Because yes, in all of our lives, our entire life as we sang, he has been faithful and he's been so good to us. Are we willing to get rid of those things that clutter and take up space and prepare for growth? Because listen, church, listen, church, our life as disciples, you hear me talk about being disciples all the time, learning and growing and serving pursuing a life of discipleship, it really is about growing. There's no room for a plateauing in the life of a Christian. Christ calls us to follow him. And that is an active word, to follow him, to continue to grow. Amen? So here's what it says from the word of God. This is our passage for this morning. And it's just these verses, 1 Peter 1, 13 to 16. here's what it says. Therefore, and we'll get to that word in just a moment. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he has called as he who called you is holy you also be holy in all your conduct since it is written you shall be holy for I am holy that's our passage for today it's going to be up there for you so you can't escape it it's there for us to look at this morning we'll see what the spirit has for us to glean from this there's three main points but but let me just give you some uh, context first. You know, again, Peter is writing these letters to newer Christians who are being persecuted. They're suffering not just because they may have financial issues or health issues, but in separated from family and friends. Remember I talked about how they're, they're in exile in a sense. But they are being persecuted because of their faith. Because they are claiming the name of Jesus Christ, they are being persecuted. So, in the midst of suffering and great persecution, Peter is calling his readers to holiness. In a way, we might think, like, boy, Peter, you're just piling it on. Like, yeah, you're going to suffer, but I also want you to be holy and get rid of all those sins, right? But it's really just the opposite. In order to be able to persevere during tribulations and trials we are to seek holiness and so in the light of the coming of jesus christ which he had talked about in the previous verses we went over and in light of the holy character of god which we'll look at this morning god calls us to salvation and that we are to be holy people focused on these three things we get it from this passage We are to pursue holiness focused on Christ's return, so he's coming back, being obedient in every area of life, and growing in our knowledge of God and his holiness. Look at those three things this morning. Now, what does that word holy mean? We might use that word holy in many different ways. (laughs) I mean, if you're honest with yourself, sometimes you use it in ways that aren't so holy, are they? But why does Peter say to be holy? What does it even mean to be holy? Well, very very simply speaking, holy means to be separated. It means to be separated out. It says God is holy. So what is God separated from? Well, if God is perfect in all his ways, and God embodies and is perfect holiness being set apart, he is completely separated from sin. There is no sin in God or in his presence. That's why we need the blood of Christ to cover our sins, because sin can't enter into the presence of a holy, perfect, separated God. God is pure light and love. And no darkness or hatred is in him or allowed in his presence. Holiness is complete separation from all things sinful and dark. It's like that word consecrated. We don't use that word often, but consecrated means set apart for a particular purpose. God is holy. He is set apart. There is none like him. He is holy. And so Peter says, You know what? You be holy because God is holy. Let's go look at it. Now, that seems like a tall order, doesn't it? We can never become God. We don't become gods when we die. We can never even attain perfection in this life. So then, why would the Bible tell us to pursue holiness? One, it's good for us, and two, it's what God calls us to, and three, ultimately, it brings God glory. Church, we are to bring God glory in all that we say and do. It's really, in many ways, the Christian life is as simple as that. Like the old hymn says, trust and obey. Those two things. We are to trust in God and be obedient, and when we're doing that, we'll be leading holy lives more and more And ultimately, God gets the glory. That should be our ultimate goal in all that we do and all that we say, that God would be glorified. Because why? It's not about us, it's about him. Am I right? You can say amen to that. It's not about us, it's about him. So holy means separated out completely. God is holy. So what are we to be separated from? It's from those idols and those sins like to manage, but not get rid of completely. It's those things that when you are doing your spring cleaning, you say, you know what? I think I want to keep that, right? And then your family member says, yeah, but that's junk that's been here forever. I might need it. If you say that about enough stuff, you get a whole attic and garage full of stuff that you might need someday, right? You might need. And so God is saying through the apostle Peter Be holy, it means to be separated out from those things that that displease God, that weigh us down. Listen, it's to be separated from those things that inhibit our spiritual growth. So church, I can't name those things for you, but what are those things that you are allowing to pile up in your hearts and your minds That are inhibiting your growth in holiness because we all have them. So we are set apart when we're justified, that moment of believing in Christ. We are set apart in Him, and and nobody can take that away from us. But we are being set apart as well each and every day as we grow closer to Him and understand God more in His holiness. And then there's an aspect of we will be set apart when Christ returns for us. See, it's the justification, sanctification, glorification, right? It's those three tenses of salvation that I've mentioned before. But in the context here, it's the idea we were set apart and made holy once and for all by being justified in the blood of Christ. We are continually being set apart and made holy as we trust and obey the Lord, but we will one day be made holy and complete when Christ returns for us. See? So we need to keep that in mind. So Peter will show us three ways in this passage that we can be developing a lifestyle of holiness as those who have trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation. So number one, to be people of holiness, people that are being holy, we must first be focused on Christ's return. Verse 13, he says, therefore, therefore what? Remember, when you see the word therefore, you have to ask yourself, what is it there for? And so you have to look back, as you said in the scriptures, what did he say in the previous verses? So remember what Peter is talking about. Peter has been talking about the grace of our salvation. How we are to remember the beauty of our salvation and the impact of our salvation in Christ on every aspect of our life. We don't just put our faith and trust in Christ and say, okay, got that out of the way. Let me move on to more important things in life. No, that is a complete game changer. It says in scripture that, we, that anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, The old is gone, the new has come. It did happen, but it should continually happen as we also do what Paul says and put off the old self and put on the new. And so Peter says, therefore, meaning, I just told you about the beauty of your salvation, right? And how we look forward to the completion of our salvation when Christ returns, when sin is no more present in our lives. So he says, therefore, meaning in light of that, here's what you are to do. So it's kind of like Peter set up, right? The the doctrine, the theology, here is the truth. Now here's what you do with it. That important? When we read Scripture, church, we are to learn the truth and understand how we are to think, but then we are to put feet to our faith we are then to put it into action. So Peter says to these Christians living in a hostile world, to their belief, he says, therefore do this, prepare your minds for action. And he adds to that, he says, be sober-minded. Let's stop there for a second. Set your minds for action. Prepare, see there's the word. We're talking about being prepared. And Peter says, prepare your minds for action, and be sober-minded. So what could he mean by that, prepare your minds for action? It's uh, in the original Greek, as the New Testament was written in Greek. It's a figure of speech, and it's kind of like this. It's kind of like how when we say we have to, to go and do something difficult, we are to roll up our sleeves, right? We know that phrase, right? Roll up our sleeves. What does that, that like, convey when we're rolling up our sleeves? It means we're getting ready, we're getting prepared to do something. We don't want to be encumbered with our sleeves, and we don't want to get our sleeves dirty. We get ourselves ready, right? So when my son Luke and I were getting all the stuff to put in the car and throw in the dumpster, we got our gloves on, we rolled up our sleeves, we got ourselves ready. We were prepared for action. Peter says, prepare your minds for action. So he's starting off by saying, look, and this is important, he says, holiness begins with right thinking. That word orthodox or orthodoxy means right thinking. Orthopraxy means right action. You can't have orthopraxy, right action, if you first don't have orthodoxy, which is right thinking. So he says, get your minds ready So church, what are those things that you have going on in your mind? What are those things that are weighing you down mentally? Those those thoughts, whether they're sinful thoughts or just things that you're allowing to be burdens that are prohibiting you from spiritual growth. Peter says, prepare your minds for action. It's kind of like this, so so, um, I'm excited that Major League Baseball is back, and I'm excited that we actually have a season because it was a little tenuous there, but the, the players are going through spring training. Why? They are preparing for action. They're getting ready. When you prepare for any kind of sporting event, you need to set your minds and be prepared, don't you? If you think about a baseball player going on the field and going up to bat, there's a million things that could be distracting him, right? You got all of the thousands of fans and they're screaming and some of them love you and some of them hate you and they're saying things that, that you would love to hear and things you never want to hear again. They have signs up, right? There's all kinds of lights and there's birds and there's, and there's um, all kinds of uh, banners and everything, right? So there's all kinds of things that can distract you. But part of being a good athlete, and especially getting to that level in the major leagues, is you have to be prepared and set your minds to be focused on the task at hand. You can go online and see what it looks like to have a 100-mile-an-hour pitch come at you. You can see, like from the perspective of a catcher, how fast that pitch comes in. You have no time to think. You have to be able to relax, react. And so those players have to get their minds ready. They can't be up to bat thinking about what they're going to have for dinner that night. They have to be ready and in tune. And even putting away all those things. You hear professional athletes all the time Say they they develop the ability to just have all of the noise and distractions drown out. They know it's there. They're not ignoring it. But they're able to just somehow put it aside and focus on what's going on. Church, that is what Peter is saying. Set your minds, prepare your minds for action. He's saying mentally roll up your sleeves. But then why does he add this? Be sober-minded. Well, what that means literally, it means don't be drunk is what I mean. So how do we apply that spiritually? What is he saying? Because he's not just saying don't drink too much wine. He is saying here to be sober-minded. It means this, church. It means have clear thinking. Don't let anything muddle your mind. Don't let those things build up that you should have brought to the dumpster last year. He's saying have clear thinking. Now, many of us had COVID during the COVID season, right? Many of us experienced that. And one of the things that people often talk about is what's called COVID brain. Do any of you have that? Maybe you still struggle with that. It's kind of like this idea that somehow during that illness, um, you know, you kind of develop like, it's like a cloudiness and you just can't find the right words. And, and it's it's hard to finish your sentences. And I've had many people mention that, to me. And it's kind of like uh, this term has been coined like this COVID brain. And, but we understand what that's like to just whatever it is in life that can, that can cloud our judgment, cloud our thinking so that we're not thinking clearly. Did you ever go on a diet and uh, maybe cut out a bunch of carbs and realize after a few days and be like, man, all those carbs must have been weighing me down because I can just think a little clearer. Be a little lighter and my thoughts are a little clearer and, and stronger, right, and sharper and focused. Don't we want that? This is what Peter's saying. He's saying, spiritually speaking, you have an enemy, you have a world that's against you, and he says you need to prepare your minds for action and be sober-minded. It simply means this, have clear thinking. So church, consider those things. What are those things that are mentally weighing you down? where you cannot have a clear focus on your walk with Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, Paul says, bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Not just some thoughts, not just the thoughts you have on Sunday morning, but every thought captive. See that? It starts in our minds. It starts the way we think about ourselves and, as he goes on to say, about God what are you thinking about yourself and God and where are you getting that information from don't we know it's a big part of our lives especially today church where you get your information from you might talk to people and say well what news channel do you watch or what preacher do you listen to right where do you get your information from well about God it better be the Scriptures. Because what we often do is we encounter people all the time, maybe we do this ourselves, that think they know God. They know a little bit about the Bible, and from experience, they create a God in their mind. They, well, God must be like this because of my experiences and a little bit of what I've heard. But the scriptures teach us who God is. Why? Because the Bible is what we call a special revelation. This is God revealing himself to us did you know that so when you open this word it is god saying to you here i am this is me i want you to know me and so if we are to set our minds and prepare our minds for action and be sober-minded we are to have clear thinking about who god is if we are pursuing holiness and god is holy then we are to be sober-minded be alert be self-controlled, have clarity of mind that will result, listen, in good and godly judgment. We are to have a clear mind ready for action. Number two, he also says then in 14, in verse 14, we are to be obedient. So not only get our minds prepared, but he says in verse 14, as obedient children... Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. How about that for a phrase, right? So he says, you used to be ignorant about godly things. You used to be ignorant about sin and those things that would weigh you down, all that garbage. He he says, you used to be ignorant of it, but now you know the truth. Church, once you know the truth, you're responsible to do something with that truth. So he says, as obedient children, don't be like you used to be, and don't allow your former passions that were, that were based on ignorance of who God is and his holiness, he says, don't live like that anymore. If you're to set your minds to be ready for action and clear and sober-minded, thinking right about God, he says, be obedient children, right? Right? Be obedient, children, and don't be conformed. Um, There's probably a passage that you're thinking about when you hear that phrase, don't be conformed, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of what? Of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. See, Paul says it, Peter says it here, Paul says it in Romans 12, He says, don't be conformed to the world. Don't be like you used to be. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Peter is saying here, it starts with your thinking. Say, make a clean break from the previous way of thinking. All that clutter in your mind, right? Don't just set it aside so you can look at it once in a while and envy it. Get rid of it. Make a clean break with it. Throw it into the dumpster. Also, let's make a clear thing about this. In verse 15, he says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Let's park there for just a second. We often use the term secular as things that are not Christian. Secular music, secular movies, things in culture, secular. We have this idea that we can separate out things that we might call sacred or holy, those things that are secular. Well, of course there is truth in that. But let me just make sure we understand this. We have to be careful in separating out too much, taking it too far to say these things are secular and these things are sacred. Because we are called, right? We are called to be holy in all of our conduct. So it's not just, well, this, going to church, that's a sacred thing. Worshiping God, that's a sacred thing. But when I go to work, that's secular. When I go to the store, that's secular. That has nothing to do with me being a Christian. The Bible says just the opposite. In all of our ways do we are acknowledge him, right? In, all, in everything that we do. So let's be careful that we don't compartmentalize too much between the secular and the sacred, because then what happens is, then we just play Christian sometimes, and only part of our lives we seek holiness. Scripture says it's all of our lives. See, we don't just become a believer, church, and add Christ to our life. Christ is our life. There is a world of difference. Do you see that? We don't just add a little Jesus and go on our merry way. Jesus is not a part of our life, he is our life. Galatians 2.20, I love this verse, this is from the Apostle Paul. Galatians 2.20, listen to what Paul says. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. See what Paul is saying? Paul is saying, it's not me anymore. Who you see, this life I'm living, it's Christ in me. He's saying, there is no more Paul, there is Christ in me. I'm a Christian. See that? He's saying, I've been crucified with Christ, so I am dead to the old self. Not just on life support, not just hanging in there, dead in Christ. It's no longer I who am living this life. It is Christ who lives in me. Colossians 3, Paul says it this way, 317. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He doesn't say just do everything you can, or do most things, or just do church in the name of Jesus. He says whatever you do, in word, the things you say... Or indeed, the things you do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Like I said earlier this morning, we are to glorify God. That is what's been called the chief end of men. It is to glorify God. But that is what our lives are to be about. Bringing glory to God. So you need to think, we need to think long and hard and set our minds for action, be sober-minded and clear. Are we glorifying God in every aspect of our lives? When you go to work, when you go to the office, or when you sign on to your computer, if you work from home? Are you glorifying God the way that you work? The way that you represent yourself, the way you treat your coworkers? the way that you go about your business and your, your uh, responsibilities at work? Are you bringing glory to God? Would God be glorified? It's often said this way, just picture Jesus sitting next to you. Would you keep doing the same thing that you're doing now? It's sobering, isn't it? Next time you're out driving on the highway, just Jesus is right next to me. Think about it, right? It's a good thought. It's a good thought. But then finally, he also says, to be holy people, we have to be growing in our personal knowledge of God and God's holiness. Why? Because he says in verse 15, and then in 16, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. He's quoting Leviticus. The readers of his letters would have recognized that. It says it many times in Leviticus, that the people of Israel were called in Leviticus in the Old Testament, to be consecrated to him, and he says, be holy for I am holy. See, God wasn't saying you have to be perfect, because he knows we can't be perfect this side of heaven, but what he's saying is saying be separate. You remember the story of the Israelites and how God, through Abraham, had chosen the people of Israel to be his people set apart for himself? We have to understand that in the light of what Christ calls us to, And what Peter is teaching us and reminding us, right? Just like God told the Israelites, you are to be my people and I will be your God. And he said, don't intermarry with the pagans because you're gonna follow their gods. You know what? Almost every king of Israel took for himself a wife from one of the pagan nations and with that wife came the gods of those pagan nations. God said, be separate. He gave them laws, dietary restrictions, all kinds of things to be separate why he wanted them listen he wanted them to be a light to all of those ungodly nations so that they would see and know who the true god is but he's calling us to do the same thing see we are to then be god's representatives at work and at home and in the store and in church to represent god in all that we say and do so that people that don't yet know God will see and say, there is something different. We can then tell them who that difference maker is. See, that's our call. When we are to be holy, it means be separate from the things that the world has to offer, because it's not like what Christ can offer. The, peace can't, the, the world can't offer peace like Christ can. The world can't offer joy like Christ can, and so we are to be holy. Why? Because God is holy. If God is perfectly set apart, we are to keep our eyes focused on him. But Peter makes that point in the first verse here of our passage. He says, prepare your minds for action. What does that mean? Think about that word action. Peter is implying there's gonna be a battle. Peter is implying that we're going to have to press into it, that we're going to have to work. Because holiness doesn't just come. It takes obedience. It takes discipline. So That's what we say, like being a disciple from that word discipline, that's hard. Salvation is easy in that Christ did it all. We don't have to work for it. We accept the gift of salvation. But following Jesus and every day, that's going to be hard. That's why he says our theme verse for this year, right? He says, if you are to be my disciple, what? You are to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow him. He doesn't say deny yourself and take up your cross on Sundays at 1030. He says, take up your cross daily and follow me. It's the call, the life of a disciple. He said, that's going to be hard. That's going to take sacrifice. You're going to have People coming against you that hate you for your faith in me, and, and you're gonna have an enemy, a spiritual enemy, that's gonna be trying to trip you up and put things in your path that will distract you and tempt you. So Peter is saying, even in the especially in the midst of struggle and, and of persecution, set your minds for action, be clear and be ready. Church, we know the end is near. The end has been near for two thousand years, right? But we know Christ is returning. We pray it is soon. And we can see. We don't see signs. We don't have to look for signs. But we see how God is sort of setting the stage, don't we? And setting the table for Christ to come back. Every day we're closer to that day. So all the more reason to be holy because he is holy. But we are to grow in our knowledge of him. Church, it's very simple. How can we know what holiness looks like if we don't know who God is. We have to continue to grow in our knowledge of God. We need to get to know him. We dive into the scriptures every day and learn about who God is. He has revealed himself to us. And then finally, I would say this. Let us just consider for a moment the holiness of God Again, it's a word we don't often use, and we know that we'll never be like God. We can't be perfect, but the holiness of God. Do we live our lives as Christians and church? I'm preaching of myself right here as well. Do I consider God's holiness enough? You know, every time in the Bible that somebody was able to even catch a glimpse of God, they fell flat on their face and worshiped him that? Remember when Moses came down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments, he had this glow about him. He had to wear this veil the people couldn't even look at him. You cannot see the holiness of God or else you will die because we still have the presence of sin in our lives. But we think about all those scriptures. What a good Bible study that would make for you. Look up the word holy in your concordance in the back of your study Bible. Look at those places that talk about God being holy and and how it's described. The angels are described as crying out to God, holy, 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 three times. I believe we'll be doing that for all eternity because God deserves it. His holiness, we cannot truly fathom. But I think if we just set our minds for action, being clear-minded on this, on his holiness, we can understand more how desperate we desperately we need him and must rely on him. And I think it will also lead us to treat him with more respect and honor and not be, I hate to say it, but not be so flippant in the way that we live out our Christian lives. And again, I preach to myself first and foremost. Because if we are to consider the true holiness of God, we might even shudder to think of how we live our daily lives. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The holiness of God. It is to be known from his word and to be considered. It will change the way that we see him, the way that we see ourselves, and the way that we choose to do what we do. So we are to be called, and wrapping it up, uh, prepared for action, which means that there's a battle. We are in a battle, prepared for action. We have to be clear-minded and focused on the task at hand. And then he says, set your hope, this is from previous verses, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Christ. See, that is putting your mind on the return of Christ. We don't put our hope, in people, in world leaders. We don't put our hope in our money or even our health that will fail us. We put our hope in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen for that? He is who we are to set our minds on. If you are here this morning and you don't yet know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me tell you what the Word of God says. The Word of God says to us over and over how you are saved salvation from our sin, from the penalty and the power of sin, comes simply by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you see the word believe or trust or faith, it means the same thing in reference to salvation. We believe in who Jesus is, who he said he is, the very son of God and the Savior, and we believe that he did what he said he was coming to do, and that is to die on the cross and come back to life. When we believe in Jesus Christ for who he is and that he did what he said he was going to do, and we believe he did it for us and our personal sin, the Bible says you are saved. At that moment, the Holy Spirit resides in you. It says that you are a new person and that you are then to spend the rest of your life becoming more like Jesus, becoming more loving like God is loving, becoming more holy as God is holy, setting yourself apart as a disciple of Jesus. But salvation is offered as a gift because Jesus Christ paid that penalty that you were supposed to pay because of your sin nature separated from a holy and perfect God. God said there is one way to be reconciled to me for you to have all eternity with me by my side. And he said, it is only by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and his saving work on the cross. That's the gospel. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. At that moment, you don't understand everything about the Bible. You don't even understand everything and all the riches of your salvation and what it means but God just says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to do anything to earn it. You don't have to be a certain age. You just have to understand that you are a sinner in need of a savior because you're separated from your creator and that Jesus is that only savior. His belief in him, who he is and what he did, you'll be saved. And at that moment, this call is for you to live your life, be prepared in your mind, understanding the holiness of God. Church, I'm going to ask you to stand, and then uh, we'll sit down and have one last thing to say. But would you stand as I read? This is from Isaiah chapter 6. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet from the Old Testament, in chapter 6, he has a vision of the Lord, just a glimpse of the holiness of God. And the holiness of God makes us understand who we are, brings us to fall to our knees, to fall to our faces and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the power of your word that you show us who you are. God, would you help us, Lord? You know where we are. Meet us right where we are, God, in our journey with you. Lord, help us to be prepared for action, to set our minds on those things above Christ where you are, and to be sober-minded. Lord, help us to not just manage those things that are weighing us down, but help us to get rid of them, Lord. Help us, Father God, to cast them aside, to put off the old and put on the new. God, as we do our spring cleaning this year and as we consider our spiritual spring cleaning, God, give us the courage to cast away for good those things that muddle our minds, that take our minds away from you. God, so that we are not caught unready and unprepared for the battle that is ahead. So God, we ask for your help in doing those things, And Father, may you be glorified in all that we say and do, for in all the things we do in word and deed, may we do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's in his name that we pray, amen. Would you please be seated for just a moment, just a moment. Before we leave, I just wanted to, to fill you in on something that's going on in my life here in the life of the church. Uh, many of you know my father, Ed, and uh, he would uh, come to church every Sunday with us and, uh, and sit back there, and, and, uh, and he loves all of you, and he um, looks forward to being back at church, but um, he has struggled, and many of you have been praying, and I appreciate it. For the last two months, he's been either in the hospital or at rehab trying to gain his strength, but unfortunately, he's had some setbacks And uh, it's been very difficult for him to gain his strength. And so um, we knew that uh, the time was coming where he'd be discharged from the rehab, where his uh, health insurance wouldn't be able to cover him any longer. And so we finally did get that word on Friday. And so uh, we had a decision to make that we've been praying about and thinking about the last few weeks. And and so what Claudia and I have decided is that we want to give my dad the best opportunity possible to regain the strength that he would need uh, to be independent. Because if you know, he, we live together and um, we're able to be there, but before all this happened a few months ago, he was independent enough to use his walker and, and uh, you know get himself what he needed to do when we weren't home. Uh, but he is not there right now. And so what I have decided to do is take a leave of absence from the church for three months to be my dad's sole caregiver. But what that means is I will still be here on Sundays. I will still have the great privilege of bringing the word of God to you. Uh, but all of my other responsibilities have been taken off the table by our church leadership. And I've met with them this week and they have been extremely supportive. Uh, and I'm sure that's not a surprise to you and willing to take all of the other responsibilities, administrative uh, counseling and everything else that a, a pastor would do. Uh, to take that off of my plate. And so I would continue to, to ask for your prayers for my dad, for Claudia and I, as we enter into this this season. Um, again, we're doing this for three months um, to give my dad the best possible opportunity, that one-on-one attention, to care for him, to have uh, physical therapy, to uh, prayerfully get him to the point where he can have that strength to be independent again. He uh, asked me to let you know that he is really looking forward to being back, so we would ask you to pray that he could regain that strength. Uh, I know what the doctors say and what the therapists say, and we know what reality looks like, Um, and they say it's very possible he won't be able to do that. It would need to go into long-term nursing care, and that is a a possible reality, but we want to take every opportunity uh, to give him uh, the chance to do that because he's had many setbacks, and And if any of you know, it's hard, especially in rehab, because there's so many people that those doctors and nurses are caring for, especially these days being so so short-staffed. And so uh, we'll be doing that. And so if you have things that you need from the church, things that are coming up, you have questions, you can address them to Bruce, who's our other elder, and to any one of the deacons. If you don't know who the church leadership is, go to our website, and it's under there, under leadership. And you'll see who the ministry leaders are and uh, who our deacons and our elder is, and you can certainly email the church. and if there's anything that, that comes my way, then I'll be um, you know, letting them know, and they can take care of that. And so, um, so I know that time goes by quickly, and so three months will go by quickly. Um, but I, I am looking forward to still being here on Sundays and bringing the word. We're going to continue in our series of First and Second Peter. Um, and so I look forward to that, but it also means on Sundays that Claudia will stay home uh, to take care of my dad while I'm here on Sunday mornings because he does need 24-hour care. And so um, some of you kind of knew this was a possibility and, and the leaders known about this, but I wanted everybody to just be aware. And I'll be sending an email out as well um, probably tomorrow just for those of us that, you know, that weren't here in our church family. But I would, again, we really covered your, your prayers and uh, my dad has just been asking, he says, when's the first barbecue? Because he loves those hot dogs. And he's like, I said, probably in April. And I said, okay, I'm going to work to get back within these three months so that I can join the church family for that next barbecue. So it's a good goal, whatever, whatever can keep him motivated, right? And so we'll do that. And uh, so if you um, be willing, I'm going I'm to um, just pray right now um, for... Uh, God to continue to bless our church and that he would help uh, myself and Claudia and our family uh, to do just that. All right, Father, again, we, we come to you in prayer, God, because of Jesus Christ, we have the ability to pray. And we thank you. And Lord, uh, I thank you for my church family who loves me and Claudia and loves my dad, Ed. Thank you, Lord God, because nothing can replace that. And uh, there is very few things, Lord, in this life that are more precious than Than the love of a church family, brothers and sisters in Christ, who of one heart help to support one another. Father, we covet those uh, prayers and that support. We pray right now, Lord God, that you would bless my father, Ed, with all the strength and endurance that he needs to get back to where he wants to be and where he needs to be. But Lord, also grant him the peace that only you can give. Father, as we enter into this new brief but important season In life, continue to bless Trinity Bible Church, Lord. Continue to bless this church with great, strong leadership, and Lord God, that we would continue to be a light in our community and through our missionaries, a light around the world. Father, as we continue to meet and grow together as disciples, Lord, we want to be fixated on your holiness and how we are to emulate it. So, Father, I thank you for my church. Bless them, Lord God. Bless us together as we continue to care for one another until you return. Jesus, come back quickly, Lord. But until you do, may we be found on mission and spreading the message of the gospel in our words and in our love for one another. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you, church. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Lord. Lord bless you.